What's the Hook? It is Friday, October the 14th, um, and Andy and I are, well, I'm half awake today, so Andy, Andy's going to be carrying a heavy load today, but lots to talk about. Uh, a little bit of news first. Um, Andy, you want to tell the folks? Yeah, well, first thing we wanted to mention a little housekeeping is that we have a listener survey and we'd love to get your feedback. You can do it anonymously. You can leave us um, comments and, and fill out the survey at our website, which is whatsthehookpod.com. And then click on listener survey, which is um, which is up at the top. So let us know what you think. It's a quick and easy uh, Google survey. And we we just want to give you we want to give the people what they want. Absolutely. And if you're not following us, please um, be sure to you know follow us on your podcast platform of choice. And if you can leave us a review on um, on Apple Podcasts, that's that'd be really helpful. That'd be amazing. So we would appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And other interesting news: um, Zoe Deschanel has signed on. Uh, she's going to be in season three of the Apple TV series Physical that Rose Byrne stars in. And Murray Bartlett was in season two, and he was terrific. Um, I'm just excited because it'll be nice to see Zoe Deschanel. On t- in a TV series again. Yeah. She hasn't done one for a while. She's been doing some HGTV stuff. She also has Is that some... what she's been... I haven't seen her anywhere well, for a while. She's been da- she's been dating Jonathan Scott of the Property Brothers right. for three oh, years. That's right, okay. She guested on a couple of their shows, and then they just... They moved in together recently, and they rehabbed... They renovated a home of their own together. And she's also been doing a lot in the food space, because she's a big believer in healthy food for everyone. So she has a venture where she helps families with a particular, I think, I can't remember the name of the service, but it's like deliveries of healthy produce, healthy foods for okay. family. Oh, okay. Because that's something she really, because she's a mother of, I think, two, two children. So uh, she's been busy. She just hasn't been doing a lot of TV stuff. Yeah. Okay. So it'd be great to see her in a show. Um, the other big news, uh, which, you know, I keep reading about was the gigantic ratings that Netflix is reporting for Dahmer. Yeah. Allegedly just millions and millions of viewing minutes, more than both seasons of Bridgerton. Isn't that fascinating? Isn't it? Second only to one of the seasons of Stranger Things. Which is crazy. Yeah. And it's, and as, I mean, Andy's watched the whole series of Dahmer. I have not because after... After two episodes, I'm the squeamish type, and I I couldn't take more. So Andy, you know, having watched the whole thing, um, I'm I am surprised by this though. Just given the I dark too. material, I mean, I think it's just people are so fascinated by serial killers. You just can't get past that, you know. I think, and he's not had a ton of representation in pop culture. I don't think. I think a lot of stuff has been made about him, like documentaries and things yeah. like that. But but not like a scripted. Do you think the the controversy, show. you know, the families being dissatisfied with it, has added fuel to the fire and Ooh. has driven more people to watch? That's a good question. I always wonder about that. Does it drive people away or does it make people click in? I I don't know. That's a maybe, really good question. Maybe a little of both. Maybe a little of both. It's definitely kept it in the news cycle. The other thing I was thinking is that you know Evan Peters has legions of fans from America, Hor- American Horror Story. I, as I raise my hand. So I think a lot, I'm, maybe, I'm and maybe a huge chunk of viewers came from that because they, yeah. they will follow him anywhere. 
Yeah. Which I get. I get. That's nice to have a fan base. And Niecy Nash, you know, is so popular. That's right. We do love our Niecy Nash. Yeah. She's she's great, by the way. Her new show is great, The Rookie Feds. It's a formula show, but dang, she is good. Oh, cool. Because she gets right. to kind of be... makes me want to try it. She gets to be herself. Yeah. It might be a little too formula for you. Okay, okay. But I feel like it makes that... It makes the show feel fresher because she has personality. Right. Which I just love. Yeah. So... Now, the other... We're going to stay in the Ryan Murphy space for a moment. Because the other show that just dropped on Netflix is The Watcher, which is also from The House of Ryan Murphy... And he actually directed some episodes, which is kind of a... Haven't seen that credit for a while, so that's nice. Um, The Watcher, uh, which is based on a New York Magazine article from years ago, stars Naomi Watts and Bobby Cannaval as a couple that moves out of New York City to the suburbs to a seemingly beautiful, like, dream house. Like a... Kind of a grand mansion. Yes. Like really big. Yes. Beautiful old. Yes. And they start to meet their neighbors and then some things start happening and it's just, of course, if it looks too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah. And of course they've over leveraged themselves to buy this house. They've cashed out all of their savings and retirement to put all of their eggs in this it, basket. And, and then it quickly takes a dark turn. Yes. And um, if we have to tempt you anymore, Jennifer Coolidge plays their realtor named Karen. Uh-oh. Mia Farrow is in the show. And Andy, wasn't it great to see yeah, Mia I Farrow love, on screen? I love seeing her. Yes. And um, Richard Kind and Margot Martindale play their next door neighbors. So I'm Andy's watched I think four episodes. I'm two episodes in. The Watcher now streaming on Netflix. Check it out. Yeah, I, I, I think I, it's interesting. I like. It. I found the first episode a little snoozy, to be honest. Um, but I'm getting more into it as it goes along. Andy does not like exposition, ladies and gentlemen. Well, mark that in your notebooks. I don't know Andy about that. Andy does not like exposition. I. I well, I, even the um, you know the preview that they they released with Jennifer Coolidge as the realtor, yes. I was like, "What's there's no there's nothing." Well, Andy, they kind was, of forget no, to no, like no, say Andy, what the whole point no, of the no, show no, because is because that was a teaser. That was to yeah, pique your interest. I don't know. It didn't work for me. Oh, Andy. Um, oh, it didn't Andy. work for me. But as this as the actual story starts to happen and the weird things start to happen, I'm starting to get more into it. There you go. Um, also, just on the comedy tip, there's a new season of Dairy Girls now streaming on Netflix. And if you've never watched this show, you need to check it out. Make sure your subtitles are on because their accents are oh my gosh, super thick. Totally. But good God, they are funny. It's so good. Yes, and, but you're right about the subtitles. Oh my God, I don't uh, even know how I could watch it without they're, that. They're just terrific. And, and if you like, if like me, you are in need of something lighter and funnier because, you know, if you watch The Handmaid's Tale and you need a bit of a change, watch Dairy Girls because <laughs> it, it'll make you smile. Um, let's see. Uh, the other thing that I checked out over on Hulu is a show called Power Trip, and this is from ABC News. And I was intrigued by it because it is about young reporters who work as embeds on the campaign trail across the country. And if you watch the news at all, you know, first of all, we all know it's really important to vote. Midterms are coming. Midterm elections are coming up. So 
it's really interesting to watch these young reporters as they go about covering different politicians and how they really have to dog people to get what they need. Because a lot of their reporting from across the country goes into the national news, um, the national news shows, and, the, and segments for the national news. It's, it's a great show. I'm just going to tell you, it's a great show. And if you're, I don't even think you have to be a news junkie. It's just very interesting because a lot of these kids are, I don't want to say, I don't know if they're fresh out of college or recently out of college. They're not that far from the end yeah. of their college days. And they're just great. So I really like it. It's a change of pace. Um, I tend to, I watch a little more unscripted than Andy, but um, I, I really like it. It's called Power Trip, and it is now streaming on Hulu. I think they've been dropping episodes weekly. Um, Andy, you watched Midnight Club on Netflix. I watched a little what of Midnight Club. What is that about? Club. So Midnight Club is from um, Mike Flanagan, who brought us The Haunting of Hill House. Oh. And what's the other one? Oh, no. I don't have it in my head. Um, he did another really great... Well, oh, he also did Midnight Mass. Oh my gosh, which was a huge hit. Which is phenomenally and good. Spooky. Yeah, and then there's a third one that I can't think of right now that he did that um, people love. I loved. Um, this is very different. So those all were kind of um, very gothic and and right. um, different. This is this is about teenagers who are in a hospice and like kind of a hospice retreat situation where they all live in this house together mm. and they all have terminal illness, obviously, oh. the hospice. And, um, and spooky things happen and there's, there's, there is a continuing storyline, but each episode also is kind of a capsule episode. Um, so okay. it's a bit of an anthology with some... Some through line. Some through line. Okay. Uh, I'm not quite hooked on it yet. I, okay. I it doesn't have the um, the kind of uh, the, the the aura, the the atmosphere that some of his other shows that I've really gotten into have. I see. So that's okay. sort of missing. It's got a lot of jump scares. So <gasps> perfect for Halloween. Perfect for Halloween. Okay. But um, yeah. All right. That's uh, it, it's worth trying. And if it, yeah, it's not for everybody. That is the Midnight Club now streaming on Netflix. Um. Oh, the other piece of news that I, I saw a promo for a, for a new season of Inside Amy Schumer. How long has it been since that's been out? I think like at least five years. Yeah. Something like that. Um, and it's going to be on Paramount Plus because Comedy Central is kind of now a programming desert. By the way, shout yeah, out, I've been shout listening out to, to The Hollywood Reporter. They did a great article about it. I think Lacey Rose wrote it. A great article about how Comedy Central, since Kent Alterman left, Kent Alterman, who was a great comedy executive, since Kent left, the programming is just gone. Yeah, I didn't realize, because I don't watch, you know, regular TV, that they yeah. only do a couple of hours a day, apparently, right. around that right. of, of original programming and everything else is reruns. Yep. Which I had no idea. I always thought of Comedy Central as still a pretty major producer it, of new content. It used to be. Yeah. Because it used to be. It's sad to see it. I agree. Decline. And they, you know, some bean counter um, decided that it was cheaper to just do reruns of existing content than to make new stuff. It's, it's sad because it used to be quite a comedy powerhouse. Anyway, the new season, uh, it'll be season five of Inside Amy Schumer, will be back on October 20th on Paramount+. And I'm wondering, um, 
I, I guess I can bring it up here, but I was I was looking at the TikTok, Andy. Mm, wow. And I saw... Look at you being all cool. Yeah, no, I was just looking. I, I do not make TikToks. Yeah, Just same. so you know, I, I don't make TikToks. That will not be happening. But I was looking at something, and then I scroll by, and, if, and then I see... I, it might have been a promo, and Amy Schumer literally was almost beat for beat the same thing that I saw a creator on TikTok do. Now, this is not the first time... A- Amy Schumer has a bit of a rep for stealing material. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Oh, God. I heard this years ago. And when I saw this, I went, uh-oh. And the bit was about uh, teaching your parents how to use, like, the computer or the iPhone. Okay. You know, like, what you do. But what got me was there was one line. It was, sh- how do you show your mom, like, how to use her phone or her computer or... And a lot of the beats were the same, but there was one line in particular where the mother goes, I don't like your tone. And it was the exact same thing. And I was like, okay. Anyway, you know, I I don't know. I mean, I'm really, I'm very curious to see how parenthood, if parenthood has changed Amy Schumer's humor at all. Um, Yeah. I'll definitely watch some, see what she's up to. I'm hot and cold on her. Sometimes I really like her, and sometimes Same. I'm not Same. a big and, fan. And by the way, for the record, um, no disrespect to Amy Schumer. Um, I think she's a really smart, bright woman, and I don't want to assume she's stealing material from anybody. I also tend to think there tend to be things that are just out in the zeitgeist. Yes. So a lot of people are making jokes about them or doing bits about them. Right. So that was not an accusation. Or it could be an homage to the original joke. <laughs> oh, Andy, I love that. That is much more polite. I love that. Sign me up as her publicist. <laughs> she really should. Um, the other, I, I also, I want to bolster in the comedy space. I really want to bolster uh, this week's episode of Reboot which literally has my favorite joke of the season. That is about Tony Danza. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> um, I I still think this show clicks on all cylinders. I really hope, I want everybody to be watching it because I want a second season. Yeah. This is very selfish. Um, what I've really come to love the most, I think, is the older writers versus the newer writers and the writers my favorite parts too it's gold yeah the contrast between uh, i just like the potty mouths you know also because it's older what's perceived as funny and what's perceived as inappropriate and how comedy it's it's often generational i am far more tolerant of a dirty joke than younger people yeah Oh. I think there's a lot of value in a dirty joke. There, absolutely. Which, by the way, the Tony Danza joke is a dirty joke. <laughs> but it's a great dirty joke. Yeah. Um, there's also a really good, um, you know, Johnny Knoxville continues to surprise and delight me in this show. There's also a really good Clay story. So in this episode, as Clay is trying to stay sober and trying to keep his job on the reboot, um, some really good stuff. Just a shout out to all the writers. I think uh, Andrew Gerland is credited with this week's episode, but as we all know, comedy, it takes a village. So shout out to all of the reboot writers. Just a really wonderful episode. Uh, Andy, guess what's out today? 
What's out today? The season finale of Bad Sisters. Oh my goodness, I watched it weeks ago, so I forgot, but oh my god. Oh wow, people get to enjoy the last episode today? To find out what what really happened oh, to the prick. I'm so jealous of all the people that get to experience that today. Right? If you have not watched Bad Sisters, go back and watch it. Really? It, you, you must, you must. It's such it's, a funny, oh, just... Well acted, beautifully, oh, just delightfully dark and twisted and great show. With five fabulous women yeah. leading the show. And again, Klaus Bang, who plays the prick, who like so beautifully and to a T. And literally, he, he makes you root for people to kill him, <laughs> which is, I think that's a talent. I think that's a talent. Uh, that is Bad Sisters on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, do do not miss it. It is just, it's one of the best ones. Did you give uh, the new Apple TV Plus show Shantaram a try yet? You know what? I haven't, and I've been meaning to because Charlie Hunnam. Yeah, hubba, I know. Hubba. We'll have to get on that. We will get not on Charlie that. Hunnam, but the show. <laughs> if it was getting on Charlie Hunnam, I think we would both volunteer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would have, yeah. Um, we're going to talk, we'll talk about that next week. Yeah. We'll talk about that next it looks, week. It looks good. Yes. Um... The I know the show we both really want to talk about. Andy and I are both very into the patient. Oh my gosh! Which is the FX show that is streaming on Hulu with Steve Carell and Donald Gleason. And if you've been watching so far, you know that Steve Carell's psychiatrist character is literally chained to a bed in I think the patient is Sam in Sam's home. So Andy, um, I had a debate with one of my big brothers. <laughs> About therapy. Okay. And what is the role of a therapist? And we were talking about it in relation to the show because I said, look, it's skewed from the jump in this show because the therapist is chained there. He's in a fight or flight state. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. He, it's, he's broken every rule of how to interact with your therapist. I mean, obviously. He's, well, he's broken a trust, for sure. <laughs> yeah, there not, is no not trust. Not only has he broken the law, but he's broken the basic mechanism. That, oh, oh, right, that too. Yeah, the basic mechanism by which it works, which is they're supposed to be, you know, a very... Mutual trust. Yeah, mutual trust and, and, a, and a divide. It's a very... It's an imbalance. It's an imbalanced relationship. You're telling the therapist everything, and they're giving you nothing really back about themselves. Yes. But if you've locked them up in a room, they're not able to do their job. I, I maintain, Are they? I don't know. Well, I maintain that because he's in a fight or flight state, so he's figuring out how to survive. And if he can, how to get away. So I feel like that already invalidates the patient-therapist relationship. Well, I, I also feel but, like... Oh, go ahead. But here's the question. Do we think that this patient can be helped? No, absolutely not. You don't. I, I think, well, first of all, the show is, it's so interesting because it is very scary and it's got some It's very real, tense. Very, very tense. tense. And, some, and some murdery things and a lot of, you know, it's it's got that element, but it's also like surprisingly touching as we get further into the character of Steve Carell yes. and his family and his relationship with his his um, wife who his passed away wife. and his son who he's kind of estranged from and there was just a lot of stuff that went on the there. The whole Judaism angle is yeah, fascinating Yeah, his son became me. very, very orthodox and, and really rejected the parents and then in turn, anyway, 
the parents weren't happy with the son. Um, so that's been fascinating to follow. And then the dream sequences with his characters, with his character's therapist. He's got yes. her fantasy sequences yes. where he's playing out what's going on with his therapist in his mind, basically. I'm I'm loving that element because it's watching him. I mean, kind of go. He's trying it, to work it out. Trying to work it out and how to do this. And I feel like he's been very, he's been very genuine in his desire to help this guy. This guy that is in imprisoned him. I would agree. Right. And 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 it got to this point this week, and I haven't seen the rest of the episodes okay. yet. I know you have. Okay. But it got to a point. It all you know took. Eight episodes out of the ten episode season for me to get to the point where I'm like, wait a minute, he shouldn't have tried to help this guy. He should have tried to manipulate this guy so that he could just get out. Because you can't help this guy. He's a serial killer. He, that's beyond what any. Which is an interesting question because you know, when do you decide that someone cannot be helped? Right. I mean, courts do it all the time. Yeah. That's yeah. you know. This is like, well, you get life in prison or you get the death penalty, but it means you can't be helped. It means that there's there's no rehabilitation for you. Yeah, and I mean, even if even if you could stop him from killing more people, that he ethically, you know, this guy's not anyway. It's the, the ethics of it are just so gray. I mean, no, they're not gray. Their ethics are horrible. But what? How is he? It's like this bizarre experience where he, he's put in the situation that no therapist can ever be put well, in. So how do you kill someone's impulse control? Yeah. It's either like intense reconditioning. It's like a Pavlovian thing almost. You know, how, how do you change that in a person? That's, I think it might, be more, it might be more than mental. I don't even know. Right. It's like a basic wiring is broken. But it was also, you know, the, and this is the uh, debate... I will say politely that I had with my big brother is what is the role of the therapist? Because, you know, when you go to therapy, they're not there to tell you what to do. They're there to guide you, to try to help you find answers or to solve problems that you perceive that you have. Yeah. Uh, For me, when I went to therapy one time, it was to help me recognize bad patterns in my life. Um, but really they're just there to sort of guide. They're not there to give you answers. That's, um, that's not what the therapist does. So it's been very interesting to watch the patient because just, let me tell you, the more, the more I watch, the more. For one, Steve Carell will get an Emmy nomination for this. Oh, it is so he is amazing, moving and beautiful and tense and just incredible. And um, it is like watching it's like watching two tennis greats play a match between him and Donald Gleason. They're both so so good. Yeah, they're, they're both incredible actors. So. I don't know. It just, it has me thinking about therapy and about... Yeah, well, and therapy's not... The therapist isn't even supposed to provide direct advice. He's supposed to help... I don't know about that. Well... I think they're allowed to make some recommendations or suggestions. I guess in certain circumstances, like, don't go kill people, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But they're really supposed to help you understand yourself and your own motivations. And then act accordingly to what... To find out your own... Just to discover more about yourself so you can make your own better decisions. 
and to be fair, that is that is what happens between the two of them because they talk about Sam's history with his father and how his father beat the crap out of him all the time, how he mm-hmm. had, you know, a lot of anger and a lot of rage and but again, this this is a very it's so primal. How do you stop someone from who who just wants to kill? Yeah. I I God, it's a phenomenal show. Yeah, it's really it's fascinating. Phenomenal show. It makes me think of Dahmer and you know, one of the parts that was most moving to me and a lot of people I think is his relationship in in the show, the relationship portrayed with his father who was a fairly supportive person throughout his life, even through his horrible, horrible, dumb mistakes and all his failures. And, um, and even after he, at least in the show, even after he's uh, admitted everything and he's going to, he's in prison, his father's like still supporting him really? emotionally. He still will show up and, wow. and, and, and is like, you know, afraid. And I guess he wrote a book and about his experience. And anyway, he, you know, he maintained love in his heart for his psychopathic son. And wow. that's a tall order. It's a really tall order. Yeah. That is unconditional but love. similar, like what is, what was his role and, you know, his responsibility level. And, and, and that's what he kind of, um, that's the, that's his, in, in the show, that's like kind of his trajectory is trying to understand what was his role in, in creating this person and, and could he have done more and, you know, it's similar. What can a father do? What can a therapist do if somebody's, like, broken at that level that they're murdering, murdering people? Murdering people, yeah. How, I don't know. Yeah. How, Big questions. How can, yeah, huge questions. Yeah. Fascinating. Anyway, The Patient, now streaming on Hulu uh, from the incredible, oh, the incredible team. Wait at for FX. the next two episodes of the oh. show. I gotta, I gotta see what happens. Is this, is this a one-and-done series? Do as far know? as I know, I haven't heard anything more about. I. This is another one where I'd like a resolution and to put it behind me, like you know, like like with Dahmer, I wanted to watch it as quickly as possible, <laughs> so I didn't have to live in that world again. I don't need more. I want. I want this show to be over in okay. two more episodes. We'll talk into it again. We'll, yeah. we'll revisit <laughs> in a couple more episodes. I, I love it, and I want it to be over. <laughs> Uh, the last thing I want to talk about is an upcoming HBO documentary that will, of course, also stream on HBO Max. It's called Mama's Boy, and it is based on Dustin Lance Black's memoir of the same name. Um, it is a beautiful, beautiful documentary. It is about how he, I think everyone knows by now, he grew up uh, in a Mormon community, part, partly in a Mormon community. His mother married a man uh, who's Mormon, and when that man ran out on them, uh, he ran out on her and uh, Dustin and his two brothers. And then the Mormon community kind of fixed his mom up with a couple other men, neither of whom were very kind, and, and it didn't really work out. Um, Laurent Bouzerou and Dustin Lance Black did a wonderful job with this documentary. And what's fascinating is Dustin Lance Black is on camera for almost the whole documentary telling the story of his beautiful mom, Anne, who was so determined and so committed to just raising her boys with lots of love and to make sure that they were safe 
and even just making sure they were safe was a big challenge given the circumstances. Um, I had the chance to talk with Dustin Lance Black and Laurent Bouzourou about the documentary. So at the end of this episode, you'll have that chat. It was it's a it's a brief chat, but it was very good. Uh, it premieres Tuesday, October eighteenth on HBO, and then streaming on HBO Max. Again, the title is Mama's Boy. Annie, I think that's about it for this week. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure there's, oh, there's still some other stuff coming up. Oh, oops, 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 oops. I'm wrong. We have a couple other oh, things coming oh, up. Oh, oh, oh. You know Tell what? people what they have in store. There is more good stuff coming up. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, that series Shantaram with Charlie Hunnam um, is now, I think the first couple of episodes are now streaming on Apple TV+. Also premiering on October 18th on Netflix, the new season of Somebody Feed Phil. It is uh, six episodes, and Phil goes to some new places, including Croatia, Philadelphia, Nashville, Austin, and Santiago. There's also a really beautiful special episode to his late parents, Helen and Max. And if you're a fan of the show, you know that Helen and Max often appeared via Skype on the show. And um, they are both, they've both passed on, but it's really lovely. And f- more in the Ryan Murphy tip for the American Horror Story fans... American Horror Story New York City premieres on FX, then streams on Hulu October 19th. The premiere is going to include the first two new episodes of the 10-episode season. And I think... Yeah, that about wraps it up for this week. Uh, we'll have... There's a lot more new stuff coming down the pike in October. In the meantime, take the listener survey, follow, subscribe... Tell us what you're liking. I'm at the Surf Report on Instagram and Twitter. And I, uh, excuse me, I'm at <laughs> Seriously Andy. <laughs> and stick around for this interview that yes, Diane please. did. It's really interesting. I had a nice chat with them. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Have a great week. This is such a beautiful documentary, and I just want to compliment both of you. It's so moving. It's so beautiful, and I, I, I can't get over it. I was in tears for most of the time watching it. My first question is, how did you choose from what you wanted to include from your memoir? Well, I didn't. Um, I... I didn't know what life this might have after it was a book. Uh, my agents had certain opinions, uh, but Laurent beat them to it uh, when he sent me a message uh, on Instagram. And I was a big fan of Laurent's okay. work. And um, and if anything, this has just been this an act of trust. Um, because I, let's be honest, I'm not going to be objective enough to figure out what should, as you distill it from this, you know, the book was long um, and the documentary, you know, can only contain so much. And so I had to take a leap of faith and I thought, well, who better than this this filmmaker whose work I admire so much and have enjoyed so much and has moved me so um, so I just went first, but Laurent sort of has to answer the question. I was going to say, I Laurent, how did you, how did you choose? 
You know, I, I, I work very much like Lance uh, with little cards. I, I, I just read the book and, and several times and started to really figure out uh, um, how we were going to tell that story. And really it emerged from the desire to recreate a kind of a road movie, if you will. Uh, uh, um, and also the thing that, that impressed me from a cinematic standpoint, you know, was this very humble, small beginning in this little kitchen and this little family, large, but you, you, you know, uh, a little town, uh, and you end up on the stage of the Oscars. I'm like, oh my God, this is such an inspiration. Uh, uh, um, so it was really recreating um, this journey. And we literally started in the kitchen and literally ended on the Hollywood Hills. So I accomplished my ambition, uh, my ambition uh, uh, in a physical way. And in the cutting room, it really came together because my editor also works very much the same way. We had cards of everything. And, and also Lance introduced me to a very colorful group of people that um, all participated and generously uh, give us so much time and so much memories about, about uh, the childhood and about, you know, their views and, and every, everyone in the film was just so uh, generous that it, it really informed the story. Uh, and then Lance himself, you know, who had to relive some of those joyous moments and, and a lot of very painful moments. So took a lot of courage and, and, um, and here we are. Um, Lance, you became very, very visible, especially after your Oscar win. You, yeah. you had success as a screenwriter, and then you became very, very visible after the Oscar win and as an activist, as a very prominent activist. What was it like for you doing this documentary when you're on camera almost all the time? Yeah, it was a um, good question, because I got to admit, I'm much more comfortable on the other side of the camera. I, um, very photogenic. You're very... Oh, you know, you're very inviting to the viewer. Yeah. In terms of bringing people into your story. All right, good. Because I have you an aversion. careers. You what? I have an aversion to being on camera. I don't even like being on, on the video on a Zoom call. It's horrible. <laughs> Thank you. I know. I hate it. I, I mean, yes. I'm with you. I think Laura, we're, all, we're all together in this. Like... <laughs> None of us, I, I never had the ambition to be Marilyn Monroe. I didn't. <laughs> but in the documentary, you're very natural. You do not seem ill at ease at all. Uh, well, that's a testament to Laurent. You know, he sits across from uh, whoever he's interviewing. And I mean, come on, there's a reason Laurent has made the films he's made with the people he's made them with. And, and there's like this instant connection that feels familial and warm and safe. And, um, and you just want to give him everything. And he, in, in gen, well, many times would start to tear up before I did. And then it becomes this domino effect where he's giving you permission to find the emotion in the story that you're sharing. And, uh, you know, and I would say it was a trick and a clever trick, except he does it even when the camera's not rolling. Uh, so I think it's, it's Laurent's big heart gives us all freedom 
to be courageous in sharing not just what happened, but the feeling of how it happened. And 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 I had many other uh, people who interviewed with him share the same. They're like, oh gosh, that Laurent is magic. Um, he does, he has a trick. Um, but you know, I I, I am not, uh, I grew up very, very shy. I, I think in the book, I, oh. I talk about how I, I, I didn't even speak in school for many years. It's not, uh, and, and I, 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 I took up activism because um, I'd made that promise. That's true. That my conservative Mormon mom urged me to, to fulfill a promise because in a conservative way, Christian way, she said it was sacred. So I must do it, even though it was about marriage equality. And, and, you, you know, I thought, okay, well, I'll give it a go and I'll either sing uh, swim or sink under the under the lights and the pressure and um you know i don't know who god is um but she's pretty fucking fierce and she paid me visits whenever i had to get behind a lectern and, and raise my voice and and i i you know i'm thankful to that mother in heaven as whoever they may be and um and uh and and so i didn't completely fail you know i would do so much of it differently now but i i uh i, I think do was, don't do that to yourself do not well, do what i could have right. but i i um you know i think i think i was armed with lessons learned from foremothers and forefathers from the research i've been doing around the harvey milk movie and a man and his team who were incredibly successful, even at the ballot box in a far more uh, homophobic time. And I'd come to understand why that was and what the philosophy was and, and the strategy was. And, and it was clearly missing in 2008 when we lost Proposition 8. And so don't I, if I, if I have the life raft in my hand, don't I have a responsibility to, to utilize it, to save people? And so I, 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 I gave it a go and thankfully we won a lot of those fights. Um, there's a lot more to do, but thankfully we won some of them. I also feel like one of the major achievements of this documentary that you have both achieved is showing the importance of people telling their stories. Because when people start to tell their stories to each other, they invariably find some common bonds, some common ground. Yeah. It, it, it's, it becomes less polarizing. And I felt I feel the documentary is very timely for that precise reason. And Dustin, and I have always been very touched by your writing, whether, I, I mean, when I watched Milk, I watched Under the Banner of Heaven, and it was mm. one of the most difficult things to watch. Yeah. I can't even imagine what it was like to adapt that book. I tried right. to read the book and could not get through it. Yeah, it's rough. It, it was just too violent against women. Yes. So... I guess what I'm asking is at this precise moment in time, it seems more important than ever to listen to other people's stories. Was that intentional? Was that, or, or, or Laurent, was that intentional? Was that part of what you were thinking or, or were you just telling your road trip story? No, I mean, of course, all of that crossed my mind, you know, uh, uh, Diane, I, 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 I felt the story was a mirror into everyone's life. It just seemed that 
anyone watching Lance's story and his moms and his family will find a little piece of themselves in it and will take away something that's very profound and personal. And that surprised me, you know, when I read the book and it surprised me when I made the film uh, also that, that it just failed to transcend just being about Lance himself and his family just felt so, uh, so relatable and so universal, you know, and that's why I really hope that actually he, it, it goes also internationally because I just feel that um, it just seems to be one of those stories that speaks that universal language. You know, I, I know it's a cliche to say that, but it, I really feel it. It's a very um, it's a very human story. And I feel that everyone's gone through some pain and loss and grief in their life. And yeah. I feel that you are particularly good at handling that very gently. Lance, I don't know anyone who could hear the story of you and your beautiful mother, Anne. Mm. and not be touched by it. I, I think you would have to have a very cold stone heart not huh. to be touched by it. Yeah. And when you talk about her visiting you in Los Angeles when you were young and her meeting all of your gay friends, and I was like, that is just an, it's a simple story, but it's really incredible. And I, and let me tell you, your emotions show on your face. Yeah. It's very, and let, can I just tell you what really got to me? Yeah. Would tell stories about her and she would say, Oh, my Lancer. Oh, yeah. And my heart would just, oh. Anyway. But I it's your heart. It's the heart. I mean, that's what my mom taught me. You know, my mom was like, Listen, we can debate. My mom was a scientist, my mom was a thinker. Exactly. But she understood that that wasn't half as powerful. Being right legally or scientifically wasn't half as powerful as sharing something that conjured emotion. We utilized that, not just me, but the others of us who formed that case against Proposition 8, when we went on the road to tell the stories of why we wanted marriage equality. We are like, speak to the heart, talk to the housewives, share your story, and you might move the numbers. And boy, we did quickly. By the time we got to the Supreme Court, that storytelling campaign had the majority of Americans in favor of marriage equality. Incredible. That campaign has continued. Utah now is 70 over 70% in favor of marriage equality. It's a storytelling campaign. It's not a sadly, it's not a facts campaign or a legal debate campaign or a scientific debate campaign. I wish it was because I think all those things are on our side, but it's not. And you know, yeah, that that power of a well-told emotional story to change. And and frankly, I think also people on the left, which is where I'm at, need to visit their friends and family, neighbors and people on the right and say, tell me your story because I don't get it. And you're going to meet some you're going to meet some Ted Cruz's out there who aren't going to be moved by any of it. And you know what? Don't waste your time. But the most of them aren't going to be like that. I often think about that since I live in West Hollywood. Yeah, I, I'm afraid my head will explode. I'm willing to do it. And then I'm afraid my head will explode. I, the other question I want to ask is you've written, you know, about, you know, stories about the Mormon community, and you've written about a lot of things that are very painful to you. Mm -hmm. Do you ever get the desire to write something lighter? Do you think that's something you will do? I have that desire every single day. I was the president of the youth president of the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy and Horror Films. I love genre. I love and I'm just, I get, I, I, I literally was like, 
you know, a few months ago, I, I knew I had some time to kind of write something of my own. And I was headed that way. I was doing it. I was going to do it. And then like, I, you know, all these other things came up, all these other stories that need excavating, all these things that felt more purpose-filled and, you know, I might not get around to it. I don't know. I'd like to, but I might not get around to it. I was just wondering, I just thought, because it's a very, it's all very heavy emotionally. I mean, it's wonderful to watch. It's well, it's all well-crafted. It's all beautifully written. But, and then I, I, I'm noticing we're a little, I want to observe the time. But Laurent, if you were, for both of you, if you, if you were to tell, give people like one solid reason to watch this documentary, what would you say? It's about you. I love it. It's about that. you. So. That's Justin, anything to add? Uh, I'll just say that uh, that leap of faith uh, that I took to put this in Laurent's hands, um, I would do it all over again. Um, yeah. I love it. Gentlemen, thank you so much for taking time. I really Diane, appreciate thank you it. for your kind and generous words also. It means a lot, especially yeah. at a time, you know, when we're releasing this to the world, to hear your enthusiasm and your kindness and that you were moved is uh, means of the world. Thank a lot. You. Thank you. I mean, I lost my own mother 10 years ago. Oh. So I know how hard that is anyway, but your life, Lance, your life was just, there were so many obstacles. It ain't over yet. No, not at all. And I, I love to see like kind of the, the star trajectory of it. It's beautiful seeing you with your own family and your own children. Oh, it's absolutely beautiful. Laurent, it's a beautifully crafted documentary. Thank you. Thank you. We, we took such great care. I, it's very apparent. It's there, there, it is not, um, it's beautifully put together. It's when you really notice the editing. Yeah. Just wow. Just a total wow. Anyway, I know you're on to the next. I know it's a big press day. Thank you. And Adriana, I know you're out there somewhere. Thank you so much for your help. Of course. Thank you so much. Thank you, Diane. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks. Thanks.